0: good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another uh, episode of Maker That Money. I am Pooch, known as uh, RepCord. I have a small company called RepCord. Uh, We do 3D printing uh, products that make your 3D printing life better. Uh, With me, as always, my trusty sidekick, Andrew Mayhall of 3D Gloop fame, building the empire of sticky. Uh, and today we have a really special guest. I'm excited about this. Uh, uh, not just, um, you know, a, a staple of the community in Slice Engineering, but a, a longtime friend as well. Dan Barus with Slice Engineering. Dan, welcome. How are you doing today, my friend?
1: Thanks for having me, guys. I'm, <sighs> I'm pumped. I'm excited. It's a Friday. we got some beautiful weather going on out here in Florida. I just got to go outside for a little bit, and I'm super pumped to talk to you guys.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. So you're in uh, Gainesville, Florida, right? So to give people yeah. a sense of where, where that is.
1: Uh, so if you look at the map of Florida and you go halfway up the state, there's this place that you might have heard of called Orlando. There it is. Um, <laughs> and if you just keep drawing a line straight up the state, uh, eventually, you will run into Gainesville. We're in north central Florida. It's about an hour and a half to two hours north of Orlando. And uh, up until, I don't know, a few decades ago, there wasn't really much here. Uh, and the University of Florida slice. has been here for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> in the last 20, 30 years, there's been a lot of investment in um, biotech, into uh, new technologies. So, the um, NVIDIA supercomputer that they're building is being built 12 blocks from me. Ooh. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's cool. The, keep it uh,
0: nice and warm there for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, I think it's going to be in say, a basement why... in like a very temperature <laughs> controlled area. But um, yeah, so it's, it's there's a lot of really cool stuff. There's a actually where I worked my first couple of jobs was in a, at a college, was in a biotech park just north of here. And It's the world's most award-winning biotechnology incubator, uh, and it's, whatever, 12 miles from me. That's awesome.
0: Very, very cool. And tell the people that may not know, what is Slice Engineering, and what do you do?
1: Yeah, so what do we do? So we make components for FDM 3D printers, specifically focused on the tool head part of it, or the print head. So hot ends, heaters, nozzles, sensors, and uh, other accessories that go along with Making that part of the printing experience, the actual melting of the plastic part, uh, a, a better
0: thing. The danger Asterisk. bits, yeah, yeah, the danger no, bits, yeah, stuff. Yeah, the hot, yeah. stuff. <laughs> the hot st- got the hot stuff. Listen, uh, we're really we're really excited to have you now. W- what's uh, what's neat is uh, we were talking ahead of the show that uh, Slice was founded in uh, 2018. Very, uh, you said 2018, right? So uh, 2018, yeah. Really, uh, that's the same year I believe Gloop came into existence. Is it not?
2: Yep. Yeah. yeah.
0: So we're all we're all kind of contemporaries in terms of like when our, our companies are were all founded. And uh obviously we're in very different places now. Now I know Dan, you you've told me what's the size of your company at this point? You've seen some pretty phenomenal growth. Yeah. So we've uh I think we just hired our thirteenth
1: person. Wow. Um so that that's exciting, obviously. We're we're growing. Very. Um yeah. Although, you know, it's funny because uh like there's a company down the road from here that was started similar time as us, but they're like a SaaS company. And there are like 100 people. So, you know, if you when you talk about growth, it's like it's all relative. Okay. It's a relative term, yeah. Yeah, yeah very relative.
0: So, D- Dan on this show, uh we we talk about um maker entrepreneur st- type stuff. We're we're both passionate about kind of like Starting from uh you know just humble hobbyist maker beginnings and deciding to make a run at things and I think you have a lot of that same DNA and in, in, in you and you have a co-founder a, as well um yeah. are, and I I don't know if this is too personal for you to share but it's like is this uh is it just you and your co-founder's name is uh Chris right is it just the two of you in terms of the ownership or do you guys have venture fund Do you have investment from outside or is this a bootstrap for you as well yeah. So we've had, we, we've got a third
1: uh, partner as well. Mm. Yeah, he's kind of a silent partner. Um, and he joined the team in like 2019. And he really works in, uh, he does help with some of the day-to-day operations, but he's really more in an advisory role. Okay. And um, yeah, so that's, there's three of us. And, and yeah, we've bootstrapped. Uh, and We've used some, some debt uh, financing, but um, been mostly bootstrapped.
0: Sure. And we've, we've, we've talked on past episodes too, about the merits of Mm -hmm. say, you know, seeking investment versus bootstrapping and stuff. And some of the challenges that, you know, that, that come come with that. So, but, (laughs) you know, I just wanted to share that just so people's kind of had some context of, of where, you know, everybody's coming uh, from size of company and stuff like that. We, we love talking, you know, all things, uh, uh, business and stuff uh, out here. Uh, Listen, I want to say for those of you that are with us live, we record this uh, every Friday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, uh, noon Eastern. uh, And uh, we've got a ton of awesome people in the chat. Greetings to everybody. Mm -hmm. If you have questions for us today, uh, you are welcome to either uh, I, I put a nice little call-in link above there, so you're, nice. you're more than welcome to call in and and participate in the conversation because this is always designed to be a conversation uh, first and foremost. But if you're not able to call in and you have a question or a comment for us, you're welcome to leave that in the chat as well. Um, we, I, you like Andrew? Did you see I put a, a nice little link there? I yeah. realized too it's it's on the Repcord yeah. site, but you know we got the MTM hotline now. Okay. Which for yeah. for some reason to me sounds like like the like a metro like a bus you know you get bus stop information. <laughs> it sounds like a trailer, <laughs> yeah, right? the, yeah, but, but uh, you know it's actually the call in link. So uh, if you if you want to call in and uh, do that, you're you're welcome to anytime. We will uh, try to keep an eye on the phones and uh, uh, loop you in as we are able. Uh, the topic of conversation though today, guys, is. Uh, Patents versus open source versus maybe trade secrets, talking about some intellectual property, some strategies for business. I really, really wanted to have Dan on this one because he is a student of both. They have done both. They have products that are both open source and patented. Uh, So I couldn't think of anybody in my immediate circle that had probably more intimate knowledge of, of actually taking a product to market and using different strategies around that. Um... I know there's been a lot of stuff in the news recently, specifically around intellectual property. Uh, and, uh, I want to, I want to kind of get everybody's opinions on that, uh, as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. so, you know, I would like to actually start with that if we can, um, in the news, uh, just there were two main things in the news this, this last week and this current week that I think are, are relevant to the conversation. The first being the, uh, I don't know if it's fair to call it a debacle, but the whole Honda episode where they requested oh, yeah. that all of their, anything with Honda branding that mentioned Honda in it uh, on printables.com, that's the Prusa uh, warehouse of 3D printed parts and stuff like that, be removed from the site. So you guys have both seen that and are familiar with mm-hmm. what happened there, right? So for those that, that haven't, basically... Prusa, uh, the owner of printables.com, got a cease and desist letter saying that, hey, if anybody's posted anything to your guys' website that has Honda, whether it's a fuel cap or, uh, you know, our logo emblem or anything, you need to take it down. And, uh, you know, Prusa being an upstanding company, they they complied. Uh, There's, of course, a lot of debate online on whether or not Mm -hmm. they should have had to and all this stuff, but probably just taking the easier path of, like, we're we're not going to fight with this. Um, And there's been some interesting articles out about it around like why that might be and, you know, the potential for confusion that if somebody downloads something that says Honda, that it may imply that it was endorsed or created by Honda in the first place. So there's obviously some brand protection uh, there, but this also feels a lot like old guard mentality of companies large companies saying we protect the brand at all costs this reminds me of the episodes we've seen in the past with lego and disney where they're just like "Uh -uh, that's ours you don't get to talk about it and stuff like that Mm
2: -hmm. i
0: I, want to start dan you're familiar with this what are what are your feelings obviously as having a brand and having ip and stuff out there around this strategy of just like no, we don't want anybody associating with our brand like this. Mm
1: -hmm. That's a good question. It's definitely, uh, it is a nuanced (laughs) problem. (laughs) For um, sure. Because obviously there is, if there's a potential for confusion, uh, let's, you know, you mentioned a printable, let's say it's a fuel cap, right? And it's got a Honda logo on it and you put that on your, on your civic and then it breaks or say mm-hmm. you put that on your Civic and then you sell it to another guy. Right. Right. Like that could be a problem. Like that could be a safety issue. You know, you're talking about, uh, that whole system is pressurized, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there, there could be a whole slew of issues around that. Now, if, uh, if you're printing a Honda badge, like that's technically Honda's property and they invented sure. the logo and, uh, now, if you're doing it for your own vehicle, I feel like that's a little bit of a different thing than if you are trying to sell it commercially, and that's kind of where we draw a line internally. Is uh, you know, if somebody is trying to make a profit off of our brand, that's our brand. Like we invented the brand, right? We came up with the brand, we put all the effort behind the brand, right? And we want to maintain the brand a certain way. And so it's not somebody else's right. It's like somebody all of a sudden taking your first name, you know, and your last name. And it's, it's almost like identity theft, right? It's like, look corporate at me, identity I am Dan Barus now. Yeah. Right. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, it's a, that's a, that's a difficult thing. And you want to make sure that people are having the right experience with your brand and not having sort of a counterfeit experience with your brand, so to speak. So Absolutely, it's a tough
0: thing. It's a tough a- thing. Absolutely, it is, it is. tough. Andrew, give me give me your thoughts on this. Just you know, there's obviously a distinction between that which is legal and that's mm-hmm. which is ethical, and that which is maybe sound business, pro- you know, practice yeah. and stuff like that. You know, what are your feelings here?
2: Well, so I, I mean, this to me seems very traditional in that. This is a company that is trying to protect its intellectual property and it's trying to enforce, uh, you know, its its status or stance on its intellectual property moving forward. Uh, You know, I I have filed several patents. I've got several patents granted to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I've never gone down the open source route, but I've also done the trade secret. Sure. The thing with patents and IP is it's tricky. Uh, copyright especially. You can actually lose your enforcement of an intellectual property, you know, stance if you choose to not enforce it. Right. Uh, so if you have a patent on something and someone is using it for a commercial application and you selectively choose to not enforce that patent or have a license agreement with them, you can actually lose your ability to enforce the patents globally, right? Or a a large, Mm. basically against a larger scale. Same thing goes with copyright. Uh, This is actually why Apple, I don't know if you remember this back in the, you know, probably it was like 2014, 2015, Apple lost a landmark case um, for a, a copyright claim uh, with their logo in iPhone. I think it was in like Brazil or something, something in South America, because they selectively chose to not enforce it up to a point where it got large enough and it was basically slapped down. And they said, you, you can't claim this. Um, you know, so- here with Honda, I think that this is just a blanketed thing where they're just trying to cover all bases saying, hey, if you're using our logo or our likeness in any way, right. um, you know, obviously you can't do it. And yes, they probably should have selected which specific models violated these claims. Uh, blanket statements saying anything that includes the word Honda, I, I think is wrong. Um, but I think there is- There's advertising some...
1: opportunity too, right? Like, Yeah. Sure, yeah. going back to your question, pooch uh, you know there's a you mentioned kind of legal ethical and best business practice Mm -hmm. sure it's like something that that we've looked at is like if somebody is making a 3d printable file with the slice logo on it or the slice name on it we're like awesome go do that you know
0: yeah please you want a brand for us fantastic yeah yeah Yeah. fantastic
1: yeah i don't want you selling that and saying that you're slice but if you want to print it for your own use, you want to give it to your friends, like that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just, again, that's going back to the the commercialization part of it is where we yep. we really draw the line internally. Yeah, uh, And I think that's for us, that's an ethical line as well.
0: Sure. Sure. Um, I, you know, I'd often heard, and this goes kind of to what Andrew was saying, that, you know, a, a patent only does you any good if you can really afford to defend it. Um, I don't know what your guys <laughs> thoughts are on that. I mean, like, like you'd said, if you don't defend it, um, it, it, you can potentially just lose your right. It can be null and void. Um, but obviously that's a, that's a really expensive process, right? Like not every, especially when you're getting started, you know, uh, mm-hmm. somebody that's, you know, like bringing a huge lawsuit and, and, and trying to mount a defense for violation of a patent, uh, sounds like a lot of uh, t- talk about a major time and financial suck, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, now, have, have both of you had any experience I- in that? Dan, had you gone down, you know, any legal uh, cease and desist type stuff for any so of the we, things you have patented? We've not pursued
1: litigation at all. Uh, well, that's good. Anybody. That's so. What's funny is that there are rumors on the internet that we're suing all kinds of people. Yeah. Slice has never been involved in a lawsuit ever. Uh, and all you know, we're putting that like, to right, we're putting
0: the rumors to rest right now, yeah. Putting nice. the rumors to
1: rest, and and uh, I hopefully will we'll never be involved in a lawsuit, knock on wood, because yeah, it's it's no fun for anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, now I'm not saying if there was an egregious issue that we wouldn't pursue that path, but we want to avoid that at all costs, right? We want to look at how do we have, uh, communication. How do we sure. open lines of communication and find a mutually agreeable solution that maybe we settle with arbitration as opposed to, uh, with the mm-hmm. lawsuit. Not only is it expensive, but it's a massive waste of time. And, and, uh, I've talked to, I know several business owners that have been forced to go down that path, essentially, uh, or either have been sued, you know, been on the, on the receiving end or have had to, uh, to sue. And yeah, I mean, it, it dominates your life for a period mm-hmm. of time. And it's not a pleasant thing for your mind to be dominated by I'd rather no. be thinking about how can I serve my customers better? Absolutely.
0: So. It can be a major distraction, obviously. And so yeah. too. So, and, and and maybe, you know, does that dictate? So to, to kind of dive into the specifics of, of what Slice has, you know, you have uh, uh, an open source hot end in the Copperhead, very popular mm-hmm. Copperhead hot end. Uh, and you also have, uh, your original mosquito line that, that is, uh, patented as, as I understand it, right? Yep. That's correct. And so when you're kind of making decisions on whether or not you're gonna, uh, you know, hold it close to the vest or, you know, put it out for the world to see, you know, are those considerations in, in mind? Like how, how do you, how do you reconcile those, those competing, uh, desires? Mm -hmm. That's a great
1: question. We, Really look at, uh, like, for I'll just use the mosquito in, in Copperhead because this is the examples that we have. So, sure, uh, mosquito we patented, but we also released under uh, a Creative Commons license. So, it's a non commercial Creative Commons license. So, if you want to take one and remix for your own personal use,
2: mm-hmm. you're
1: welcome to do that. And that's been the case since 2018 when we, when we, we immediately, when we launched our website, posted uh, CAD files for the mosquito. Now they're not in the full CAD, right? Because we didn't wanna just enable (laughs) everybody to go, in in China specifically, to go and and rebuild this and and basically destroy our business. So the decision there was, we'd seen several people that had launched something that was new and innovative uh, get undercut by Chinese before they could even get off the ground, and and you essentially, um, you know, you lose your baby, and yeah. uh, and that's that's no fun for anybody. And then that company that has this innovative energy doesn't come out with anything new, right. so it doesn't mm-hmm. longer term it doesn't serve the community. Right. So right. we knew we had to protect our initial uh, our initial product, and then once we'd gotten a little bit of momentum, we said, okay, now we're we can take some of that core technology. We can apply it to an open source product, and this is where we can open up as much as we can uh, to provide free stuff to the to the community. And you've seen bimetallic heat breaks, and, which came out with the Copperhead, already used on the Mosquito, but in terms of on, in an open source design, came out on the Copperhead. I yeah. mean, it's it's everywhere now. Almost everybody uses a bimetallic heat break.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we invented it- that. Yeah, and and I mean they, that has to be so rewarding and and awesome to see you know that, that that's out there. But it, it's it's interesting too. To your point, you don't want to stifle innovation. So finding that that right balance, I really think that you guys exist in a really great space. I love the kind of the one-two punch, and we've seen others uh, out there kind of doing similar things. Where it's like, yes, you know, we will we will open source uh, this stuff out here, but. You know, with a with a kind of the asterisk, you know that it is mm-hmm. non commercial and stuff like that. Like we don't want we we understand that we come from these you know innovative roots. We want to encourage that type of uh, engagement in the community, and I think the community sees that and recognizes that. And of course, you've always got bad actors that you have to deal with. But um, the 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 fear I can at least speak for me personally, and I have I have a very I feel like silly product compared to some of the technical stuff that these two do. But um, you know, for for like rep box and stuff like that, I've been asked a lot of times, like, "Hey, is this an open source product? Can I get the files? Can I cut my own? Can I make my own?" Mm-hmm. And um, for the box specifically, we don't we don't just like give everything out. Now, if I have a customer request, something like, Hey, I want to do a customization. Like, can I get a thing in the back pan? I'm happy. I'm more than happy if people are, you know, asking and wanting to, you know, innovate they're making that request. My, my biggest fear is exactly what Dan brought up, which is like, I don't want to just give a blueprint for somebody out there to just completely copy what I do and undercut because obviously I am in a, a very, uh, expensive labor market. Like it would not be hard for, uh, anybody in, in, uh, other countries with much, you know, less overhead and stuff to do what I do, uh, cheaper. Uh, and so, you know, mm-hmm. that that's a concern, right? So, uh, how do you, you know, could recognize and give back to the community? Cause I always say like, I'm built on the shoulders of giants. Like I wouldn't be able to have this pro had I not, you know, been able to leverage the tool sets, the 3d printers that other people have developed and shared with, uh, you know, the the world. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, I want to be able to give back. And so we do pick some of the products, like the rep rack and stuff like that, where I'll put it out there and just say, Hey, you know, go to town, you know, we'll put our branding on it. And I'll say, I appreciate it. If you leave it on there, even though you're not Mm -hmm. required to via, you know, open source, because it, it helps bring eyes. Uh, also we always say, if you don't want to make your own because you don't have the time or you feel like it's not worth your time, uh, here's here's the link and come come buy from us. And we've had a ton of support yeah. that way, and I find I find that to work really well. I think that's a cool strategy. So you know, it's like give a little, keep a little. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What 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 are, what are your thoughts, guys? You, you mentioned uh,
1: um, you know, removing the branding. Why not have why not distribute under an attribution license where somebody is using your model, they have to give attribution. So
0: I, I as I understand it and I've I've spent a little bit of time looking into it but if if I want to allow remixing right like if mm-hmm. I want people to be able to develop and so for example the rep rack that we released that's been just really popular and it's just it's literally just some brackets with EMT tubing as support shelving and um EMT is just the reason I chose it is because it's absolutely you know ubiquitous here you can get it right, it's everywhere everywhere it is it really I think a good bang for your buck in terms of cheap and strong uh, mm-hmm. and but it's not as common in say like Europe and so they're mm-hmm. like well we actually have a standard by which you know I we can get these wooden dowels more easily or this different pipe easily uh, and I'm like that's great here's the file and if I want them to be able to remix it uh, my understanding is that if I if I want to allow remixing culture, I can't say, "Well, you can remix, but you have to keep the brand on there." It's either it's all or nothing based on the current Creative mm-hmm. Commons standards. Uh, somebody in the chat, if you know different, correct me if I'm wrong. But
1: yeah, yeah, pl- I, I'm I'm curious to know that as well because yeah, uh, yeah, with the remix, I don't. See, that attribution, I guess, maybe is different than branding as well. So maybe yeah. we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're talking about yeah. two different things. So, so the, there, is the attrib- brand. there is still the attribution.
0: There is still attribution. Yeah. yeah. And you. Mm-hmm. I think you do have to still share. Ba- There's still terms of that and stuff to it. But again, yeah. I haven't spent a lot of time really digging in on that. I think a lot of other people may know more about that. Um, Andrew, I mean. Yeah. What, what decisions are, you know, you, consider, you you mentioned that you guys just, you do trade, trade secret type stuff. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Coca-Cola is famous yep. for trade secret, yep. right? They're like, we're yep. just not sharing the recipe. That's a great way yeah. to keep it private, right? How does that weigh into the conversation here?
2: Absolutely. So, well, you know, you you actually mentioned something about, you know, your rep boxes, not giving the blueprint out, right? Yeah. Um, And, you, you know, for someone to copy. And that's actually what a patent is, right? A patent is a detailed blueprint of what it is that you've created. Um, you know, down to how you make it, what makes it special, all of the details about it. Um, and you disclose that. And as a part of that disclosure process, you get essentially a, a, a guaranteed monopoly, if you will, um, over the course of, you know, set number of years, depending on sure. where it's filed. Um, and the reason why the patents came about was to prevent, essentially, from people being innovative and then owning it and never sharing that innovation with the world, right? To build off of and continue development. Um, essentially, it was trying to stifle the trade secrets, right? Mm. Um, now there are cases in which trade secrets make a lot of sense, uh, specifically when it comes down to say, you know, an adhesive. Chemistry and physics don't change, right? Like they're they're universal laws. Um, and you Says can patent you. essentially, well, <laughs> you could you Doesn't can mean we're not trying a yeah. uh you, you absolutely can patent an adhesive formula, and there have been plenty of companies to go and do that. But what again, what you find is is as a part of that dis- disclosure process, you're telling them how you make this adhesive, all of the chemicals involved, the reaction processes, everything. And yeah. at the end of your monopoly period anyone can take that and now make it commercially right you you have no more protections so if someone else wants to say hey you know we're gonna scale this up right they they absolutely can and it doesn't matter whether or not you, you know you you were the original inventor so with a trade secret when things don't change like you know chemistry and physics don't change it makes a lot of sense to say well we're not going to release this information we're not going to release all of the steps of how we make it sure you could absolutely take our formula and send it to a lab reverse engineer it, get the end compounds right That's, what you're missing is all of the steps in between to get to said compounds right and you know there there are benefits to trade secrets but yeah you know it's also it's like well it's very closed off right no one knows what's in it um and you know like say for instance we go belly up or something happens. Mm-hmm. Where does our innovation go? Most of the time it's just gonna go away, right? Unless you were able to build a long-lasting company that's able to continue carrying it forward into the future. Sure. Um, you know, we evaluated patents early on. And and again, we just came to this determination that it's like it doesn't make sense for us because sure, while we could while we could patent the formula and we can, you know, hey, this is the really cool, you know, way in which we actually synthesize the polymers. Um, At the end of the day, if we can't defend it, right, against a giant company that says, well, you know, you're actually patenting something that we've invented long ago that we didn't release, Um, you know, you have to do cease and desist because that's still a potential option. Mm -hmm. Um, It gets really hairy, then it doesn't make sense for us to do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that makes sense. I know that was a long-winded answer, but <laughs> no, I mean
0: uh, these are all considerations that I think you have to take, and and it's one of these things where it's like there is no right or wrong answer. There's there's different paths to take, and and there's you know different potential pitfalls along the way. Mm-hmm. I want to switch gears uh, to kind of this week's hot topic. You know, talking about. Um, uh, you know IP theft and uh um specifically you know Chris perillo in the chat had a fantastic quote he said ethics are what we do when no one else is looking right and so <laughs> it's true it's uh yeah. it's it's, it, it, it's 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 almost sad to me that it, it has to be spelled out that way uh or at least you know said that way because you you would you would like to believe that we all have you know some underlying ethics that that we all agree to and, and want to, you know, um, abide by, but, but it's, it's the transparency oftentimes. And it's, it is the fact that we are doing things publicly. There's seems to be, uh, uh, maybe a more common motivator. Uh, well, I don't know if it's more common, but you know, it's a motivator for business and stuff. And so what I'm alluding to is there was a big, you know, drama in social media, in the news this week about, uh, Creality Cloud and their IP theft of a lot of designers. And now we're getting into, uh, you know, more, more like trademark stuff and, and whatnot. These aren't necessarily Copyright. patent. Co- yeah. Copyrights. Yeah, I'm right. sorry. Um, it still
2: falls under the same umbrella, right,
0: but, if you But it's, yeah, it's still intellectual property. It's still IP. Right. It's still intellectual yeah. property. Um, I think that, you know, most of us can agree that, you know, if you are not the creator of it and you're taking this and profiting from it another way, uh, that, that, that is wrong. Um, Where, where, you know, it's getting a little bit frustrating is that Creality Cloud is is a, you know, they're, they're an environment where these things can be posted. So it's not like they're specifically going and taking these things and putting them up as their own. They're enabling this behavior, though. And so mm-hmm. what responsibility do companies have to enforce IP? Uh you know, I know we have our expectations of what we want to see, kind of with our cultural understandings here in the in the United States. I think it's different in different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Dan, what are your feelings around this whole debacle?
1: Oh man, this is a tough one too because it is a they <laughs> are creating tough essentially too. a marketplace, right? Yeah, uh, and um, something I guess. Quick side note here. We'll go with you. I think there's a general misunderstanding about, people think intellectual property is only patents, but intellectual Mm -hmm. property includes patents, trademarks, copyrights, and trade secrets. Trade Mm -hmm. secrets, of course, are not public. Uh, Patents, trademarks, and copyrights are public, Um, but all of them have value. They add value to the company, right? Because you own these assets, but they also, Create value for your customers. That's why people buy stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. It's because it's associated with a brand, which is a trademark, or it has some design, which could be a copyright or um, or a patent. Uh, I mean, th- that is what brings value to a product or to an idea. And um, so, all of those things are important. And certainly, companies and people should be enforcing their IP. Like, it's just mm-hmm. idea theft is still theft. Uh, Yep. So that's Straight my little up. spiel there. Mm. But to to get to the actual issue at hand, um, marketplaces are in a tough spot because they enable new things to happen, which is cool, right? Sure. Uh, but they also do have a level of responsibility, and it makes me think back to you know if I was to then talking about a thousand years ago, right? You go and opened a market. And now you've got vendors coming in your market, you would be responsible for the behavior that was happening in that market. Right. If you weren't abiding by the law. So then the question is all right, what legal authority, right? They are a Chinese company with primarily, uh, I think, 80 something percent of their revenue comes from Europe and the United States. So, right which set of laws do you abide by? And and I think um, my opinion is that you should be abiding by the law and in, in the comp, the countries in which you operate, but uh, you know, I'm not yeah. a judge. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, and, 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 and laws be, I mean, I would say the, the laws of business are the f- first things that, <laughs> that seem to drive a lot of these, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Chinese companies a lot of the time that, And where I feel like they're really missing the boat here, I don't know the legal structure of like how Creality Cloud specifically relates to Creality, the company and stuff, but obviously it's got Creality in the name. So it's a subsidiary, it's something. And this reflects so unbelievably poorly on the brand. It is at the very least in their best interest to enforce this so that it does not damage their reputation and their sales. And and given the way that whoever's operating their, uh, social media and stuff has been responding to some of these things. I'm like, uh, if I was, if I was running Creality, I'd, I'd be like that, that needs to stop right now. And we need to take this seriously because they're going to see major, major decline, uh, in, in sales of people are like, well, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this. Uh, I think there's going to be some pretty severe backlash, uh, if they don't take this seriously. What do, what do you think, Andrew? Well, yeah. So, you know, I, I'll say again, I'm
2: not an attorney and or a lawyer, or you know, none of us legal are not advice legal advice. Me, right? <laughs> no. You know, only only bird I, law. Yeah. <laughs> I I will say that this. Is very similar. There's a lot of parallels here to essentially. I don't know if you've ever heard of
0: the Pirate Bay, um, but oh, you know, that's a name I have not heard in many years. <laughs>
2: um, you know, <laughs> this is essentially, you know, the Pirate Bay was supposed to be a marketplace, a free digital marketplace to get you know, copyrighted materials, you know, for free, right? Torrenting, torrenting and, yeah, exactly. Man. Um, now, while while they might have good intentions, right, to offer a marketplace, uh, you know, that uh, that gives Back to you know the creators that upload. Um, they, the Creality, is still responsible uh, for what is hosted on their site. Um, they are responsible for. Licensed content as well as copyrighted materials being hosted, um, you know. So if a creator makes a file and they sell it through their Patreon or whatever, and if it has a, a license to it, right, they are responsible to abiding by that license. Um, sure. Just you know, saying "Oh, well, we'll remove it" does not remove um, you know their responsibility uh, at, at all. Um, they can actually still be. So if these content creators were to start banding together and you get enough of them you absolutely could likely file a class action lawsuit against a company it doesn't matter where they are if they operate here in the United States and it's mainly here there's a good chance um that again there there could be claims against this this whole company because of the copyrighted material that they're willingly and openly hosting
0: without removing yeah so with great you know. power comes great responsibility. <laughs> well, and I don't know if it's if it's actually great power, but the, you know, you're absolutely right. Like as a baseline, I'm like if you're gonna start something like this, like you need to you need to take this seriously, mm-hmm. and it's not just about removing when there's a complaint. Like your position should always be, you know, to protect mm-hmm. be, because like, obviously, like people are not gonna use it if people aren't gonna you know download from. I, is this a problem that's gonna sort itself out? If they continue down this road, because just nobody will give credence to it.
2: I don't think so. I mean, really? look at look it's at the Pirate Bay. Yep, you Pirate know, Bay is a good it, example. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter. Again, at the end of the day, people are going to go and get what they want, right? Um, even if even if they understand that the content creators that are making these files uh, have licenses and want you to basically buy them, if they have an option to get it for free. While you and I and Dan here might be like, okay, well, yeah, we're going to go support that content creator. We're going to go buy an official copy. There are still many of other people that won't do it. Brilliant. And then also, there's a, there's also... Millions of other people, as Dan says, that maybe not even know will knowingly actually do this. They're just like, "Oh, hey, this is cool. I'm gonna go ahead and download it." With the influence that Creality has, again, the argument I think can be made in such a way that they are they are actually skewing a lot of you know a lot of these laws and regulations to pe- and, and distributing this to people that don't know any better, that don't know they're actually violating a copyright law, um, because again, owning owning a digital model right? That it was released under a copyright with a license that says you had to pay for it. Just yeah. owning that makes you liable as a person. So if you go to Creality and download a paid model for free, you, the person are now liable and yeah. can be sued by the original content creator.
0: Man, you know, so this goes back to Chris's quote at the top of Perillo when he was saying, you know, about, about ethics, like it's hard for this kind of thing not to make you cynical when it's like, we all talk a good game, but at the end of the day, if there's a way to stay anonymous and and get stuff for free, like you know, people are going to do it, and that's it's so it's it's disheartening, right? I mean, you're you're absolutely right. Pirate Bay, we've seen it with torrenting, we've seen it, you know, with obviously the the music industry and you know all this stuff mm-hmm. historically. Um, and honestly, it's it's also what allows companies like Creality to exist. We we talk a good game. And this this is a whole nother ball of wax. But, you know, when people are like <laughs> made in the USA, right, everybody's like, yeah, I want to support local and I want to I want to, you know, support American innovation and all that it's stuff. But at the end that's of the so day, looking. <laughs> I'm going to buy that cheap, that cheap, you know, money. It's all it, it money talks. Right. And I hate mm-hmm. that. Right. And I'm not saying like that's speaking in generalities. There are people that, yep. are, that that'll hold firm. And, I, you know, I respect that. But um, you know, it's it's tough to compete with the fact that it it always comes down to dollars for a lot of people, uh, and that they're willing to compromise a good amount of ethics for them too. So mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. what to do with that. Um, we don't need to go down that depressing <laughs> route, I suppose, <laughs> right now. Yeah, uh, you know, if
1: people <sighs> get too too emotionally attached to the to the concept. Um, you know, we we have a lot of we have sometimes people. Buy a clone of our products and then reach out to us for support. Uh, you know, which of oh, course, God. part of the part of the sales <laughs> price that's built into mm-hmm. the cost of support the is product high. Product that we sell is the cost of hiring people to support the product after the sale. Yep. And um, so, you know, not only then are you sort of taking money from the original creator during the initial purchase, but now you are asking for a double dip uh, yeah. with the, with the support request. Um, and, and of course we can't support non real product, you know, counterfeit <laughs> yeah. phone versions of our, of our products. Yeah. Uh, but there is a, a,
0: um, well now, now to be clear, there's an emotional th- argument there afterwards. Yeah. These people don't know that they have a counterfeit or they oh, do do, yeah, and they're still looking so, like, yeah. I mean, it just never ceases to amaze me, like, the gall, you know, the, the nerve of some of <laughs> these people. They're like, um, yeah, and I come across this too. I don't know if you know, but like, I sell mm-hmm. upgrade kits for CR30, right? And so, um, for a while, we were selling the actual CR30 printer as well. But I would get, uh, you know, people would see that we, you know, we, we work with these a lot, and and I would get requests like from people that didn't buy. From us and then be like, hey, you know about CR thirty. Like they'd email my support line on on RepCord and ask, like, can you can you help me figure out how to make this thing work? And I'm a nice guy, so it's like I wanna help people, but I'm like, that's mm-hmm. that's going down a road that's not gonna be good if it if it gets out that I that oh, I do that. And it's not it's not even my product to support. Um and yep. so you know, it's one thing if you're asking like, hey, I'm having a hard time figuring out how to install this kit that I bought from you that I'm more than happy to, happy to help with. Um, but, you know, going to a company that you didn't buy from originally and then asking them to spend time with you to like help train you on it or whatever. What is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> that is not, <laughs> that's not a, that is not a thing, guys. Like, do not do that. Um, we, we get it, too. Uh,
2: people asking how do we how do you know what how do I use my glue super glue for these things? Or, <laughs> what <yeah>. is that? <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, <laughs> I think part of it is people don't
2: you know we all own
1: businesses and so you mm-hmm. understand that uh, there is a cost to paying this person's salary and and uh, and it's you know I get sometimes a negative reaction from people like oh you all you care about is the money well uh, no I care about the people yeah but. Yeah the people need money to eat, you know, like I need money to eat and pay my mortgage and feed my kid. And so do the people on my team. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, but I think people that have not had that sort of experience where they're, they are paying somebody else's mortgage. Um, it it's difficult to like, you're just, you haven't put yourself in that person's shoes. So you're not even, you're not in the same headspace. You know what I'm saying?
0: For sure. Mm -hmm. You
1: don't see it as unethical potentially
0: well yeah. and i i think a lot of times people just don't it doesn't even occur to them like yeah, they just don't think about it they're in a different headspace i don't know i don't want to i don't want to normalize i don't want to allow it cuz i don't think that it's you know yeah. if people stop and think like hey uh, am i asking sure. you to work for free am i you know yeah. like hey i need this support like i know i didn't pay you you know come on man uh <laughs> it's just they and here this we had this conversation before Andrew it's like they're reaching out to pooch the maker not pooch the business owner and they don't yeah. and i know that i don't draw a very clear line right and and yeah. there's there is definitely the me that interacts in forums out there and that i i participate i realize i've gotten help from others and i want to help others as well but you know, don't come to my place of business and do that. Like that doesn't seem quite as appropriate if I'm on, if I choose to be on the, you know, Facebook mm-hmm. group forward or whatever, I think that that's a completely different thing. Yeah, um, different so thing. yeah. So, you know, we can leave that for now. There's, um, um, there's a lot of interesting stuff out there. I want to, I want to draw in a, uh, um, a question from, from Adam at powerbelt3d. Um, mm-hmm. he asked, what are some of hey, the potential, so, yeah, wait, Hey, how's it going, buddy? Yeah. see ya. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Um, what are some of the potential solutions to something like the Creality drama? Is it strict licensing? Do we require a valid email to download anything so that you can track people down? What ideas do you guys have for fixing the problem? That's a tough one. <laughs> we only take tough yeah. questions here, Dan, if you haven't noticed that. <laughs>
2: yeah um hmm. you know, I, I would say that I think that I think the bigger issue isn't really tracking down who's like I, I don't think the problem is people downloading the models, right that that are that are uploaded illicitly. Right. Uh, And I'm using illicitly uploaded as, you know, copyright material being able to be freely downloaded. I I think the issue is, is allowing that copyrighted material to be hosted to begin with. Right. And, you know, Creality should not allow any, uh, you know, any anonymous uploads of any copyrighted material regardless. Right. So, I mean, I think the 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 issue is the solution at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. You remove the ability to upload anonymously. That's what I'm gathering. Right. Is Has been happening mm-hmm. is the these copyrighted materials have been uploaded anonymously and there's no way to say, OK, well, how did it get up there? Right. Um, And then also, again, just don't host copyrighted materials to begin with. If there is a copyrighted claim against it, Creality needs to respond in a very timely manner saying, OK, hey, we need to take this down because it is damaging to the person who had or holds the original copyright. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. I, I uh, agree with part of what you're saying, Andrew, in that Creality definitely has a responsibility to uh, make sure that the items that they're, ho- item, the digital files that they're hosting uh, mm-hmm. conform to the law, period. Yeah. Right. I, I would, where I would disagree with you is that um, I think there is still fault with the, uh, Let's say consumer, the person that downloads the file, because sure. uh, I mean, you guys all, we all grew up in the days when everybody was like torrenting music down to their sure, iPod, yeah. sure. right? And oh, yeah. You had, 400 gigabyte iPod, yep. and you plug it in mm-hmm. the aux port in your in your or car. Or a Zune, right? yeah. Or a yeah. Zune, yeah. <laughs> not the Zune. <laughs> hey, those are worth good money now. They're worth good money now. I've I've heard they are. Yeah. 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 Um. So anyhow, though, you know, I had a buddy that was uh very prolific at this, and and I'm ashamed to say that I that I take part in some of these activities in my younger, more naive days. Oh, um, shame, but, Dan.
0: Like we're one time, yeah, on. yeah.
2: But
1: he got busted. Oh, I mean, he got busted mm-hmm. for for downloading because he just was doing that much volume, and he was wow. his wow. own little distribution network going, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. he ended up having to pay some fines, and um, the quant- the volume of stuff that he moved in order to raise a flag for the FBI. Uh, had to be so enormous that I cannot imagine the monetary damage that was oh done my to, sh- yeah. not just oh, yeah. you know big record labels say, but also individual small musicians that are just trying to get started. And not that the um, morality of doing damage to a large record label is different than the amount of than doing damage mm-hmm. to a small artist. The morality is the same; it's still wrong, right? Yeah. But the effect is larger uh to the individual artist than than to the big record label. Sure, so,
2: and, and I yeah. I completely agree with you, Dan. Like I, I agree that the big issue still here as well is the people being able, you know, downloading it and knowing it. But I think mm-hmm. that there's also something to be said for people that are buying these Creality machines that don't know any better. I don't know, right? Yeah. And and, and yeah. that's the thing, like, I, I want to believe in the good nature of people that if, you know, hey, they, they, they realize that this model is copyrighted and should not be available for free, that they would obviously not do it and, you know, stop downloading it or delete it or or go to the original creator and give them, you know, what they're rightfully owed. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to control that. Um, it is hard. It, it, yeah, it's, it's very it's, hard.
0: It's nuts to me that we've been absolutely down this road before. And that here we are mm-hmm. many, 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 many years later, and we're still having these same conversations and problems with just different intellectual property. And it seems yeah. like, is this just going to well, be now a it's problem? Well, physical things, right? It, it yeah. feels now more it is, tangible now. It feels yeah, more tangible, it's more right? Tangible because you can now take a digital
1: file and turn it into something tangible. Mm-hmm, Whereas with music mm-hmm. or a video or something, it, it was not, it's not tangible. You, it's something you watch on a screen. Uh, right. It's still same same problem, right? But it's a new aspect of the problem. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited for some of the ways that maybe blockchain technology uh, sure, can help enable these things. Because one of the beautiful things about the internet is that it has given everyone a platform and everyone a voice. And it has given the opportunity to a small guy starting out in his garage, like all three of us, Mm -hmm. uh, were, uh, you know, to actually build something of value. It was much more difficult to do that 30, 40, 50 Mm -hmm. years ago. Absolutely. Um, well, 30, we're actually approaching the, you know, anyway, (laughs) 50 years ago, let's say. (laughs) Sure. Uh, yeah. So 50 years ago was more difficult to do that. the internet, the internet has enabled the ease of distribution of content and, and, materials in a way that is just truly incredible but uh we're gonna have to find a way to um, make it not so easy to also smash
0: the little guy right uh, online right it's that double-edged sword i mean it it allows us to reach markets that we couldn't reach i mean you can you can achieve a scale so rapidly by you know going global and you know whereas before when you were confined to being a brick and mortar or like a physical yep. location, like you were physically mm-hmm. limited in a completely different way. So that, which, you know, is, is one of its greatest gifts to us as business people is also, you know, the, on the, on the flip side, a, a challenge. Uh, it's, it's really good points, uh, guys, like, and this is, uh, <laughs> You know, this is something that I imagine you know, we're going to continue to. We're like living it right now, so it's it's yeah. going to be really interesting to see. You know, in fifty years time, and I, I understand that you know things have come and gone with, um, uh, not necessarily gone, but you know, there, there's been all kinds of interesting attempts at. You know, um, what is it? DCMA rights. You know, establishing that. Like a lot of times, it just takes mm-hmm. the the lead, the litigate the legislation and the laws time to catch up with these new problems that haven't existed historically. So, uh, yeah, well, man. So, um, I think one more, one more question I've got for you, Dan, on the, uh, the kind of the, the, the patent and the open source and stuff. My opinion historically, uh, has been as a small business and stuff that I would rather spend my time being first to market with stuff, innovating, like Quickly get it out there and establishing a reputation around something uh, and not not following that distraction of potentially having to enforce patents, uh, submit takedown requests, because that will just drain you. Like when you think about how, Mm -hmm. you know, how challenging that can be, maybe it's not as bad for you as, say, somebody like a designer here that it's like you know, you're just constantly trying to plug the holes in the yeah. dike because your, your files are showing up everywhere. You have like a tangible product. So it's a little bit different, but it, it's still, you know, there's a good amount of work that, that has to go into like being aware. How do we deal with people that are bad actors and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. W- what are your feelings around that? Because like you said, you've kind of done both. You've you put some stuff up uh, out there, but you've also done protecting like, is it worth the time? Is it worth the yeah. money? Is it worth the effort? Yeah. So, uh,
1: I guess first comment is going to be about the plugging the holes in the dike It's definitely <laughs> it, even, um, even though it's a physical product is very easy, relatively speaking, to put up a listing on, on a marketplace. Like it takes you five minutes, sure. you know? yeah. So uh, it is not that much more difficult to create a listing for a, a hardware product as, than it is to create a page for a digital file download. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it is a very, very similar problem. Um, in terms of the the value, uh, I would say that I would point to, for example, E3D and Bontech. Um, they both started out without uh, intellectual property. And well, w- excuse me, without patents. They, they certainly have their own intellectual property. But they, they started mm-hmm. without patents. Mm-hmm. And now they both have patents pending. And the reason for that switch, and we can point to even more examples, Ultimaker, you know, Mm -hmm. famously started totally open source. right? And then as they grew and they they realized they needed to uh, build this longer term brand, you just can't have fake Ultimakers catching on fire (laughs) and burning people's houses down. You can't take on that liability, right? Uh, so that was part of their reasoning. But another part of the reasoning is that if you really wanna build something longer lasting, you need to have protection to fall back on. You need a, a you know, defensive wall, so to speak. And I think the fact that E3D and Bontech have both made this uh, pretty radical switch in their approach uh, goes to show you that it is worthwhile. Um, even though there is expense involved, the expense isn't all at once, you know? It's like you have certain filing fees at the beginning, you have certain fees for, uh, you know, if you do it right, you should be doing a a prior, what's called a prior art search. So making sure Mm -hmm. that your stuff isn't already invented. Um, You should be doing uh, what's called a freedom to operate, which is in a patentability analysis, which is basically Mm -hmm. figuring out uh, is what I've invented patentable and does it infringe on other people's patents
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: and so once you've done all those things there's expense to that um but once you've done all those things and you filed (laughs) then you know it takes years for for the costs to to bear out and as a micro entity which is you know if you're an individual inventor you would file as a micro entity uh the fees are, are relatively small i think the for the U S patent office, it's $135. Last time I checked, if you're a micro NC to file a patent. Yep. So it's, you can spread out the costs and the costs of enforcement don't all hit it once either. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. definitely a, uh, stick your fingers in the dike kind of thing, but, yeah. um, thankfully not all the holes pop out at
0: once. So, <laughs> uh, huh. yeah. Well, and I think it's a it's something that as you as you grow, hopefully you have more resources that you can allocate. Yeah, it's It's absolutely. hopefully something that you know you can try to keep up with. Um, but you know i'm good I'm glad to hear that it's that it's worth it. Um, yeah. obviously, you know you've you've IP is valuable guys. I, I think yeah, that it comes style. down to that that disconnect that a lot of people have that <clears throat> you know, I've had this rant before. Like the the value of a product is far far greater than the sum of its material cost. Like how many times have you guys had an email from somebody like, how can you justify charging this much? Because mm-hmm. like I can get aluminum billet for X and da 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 right. da, yep. and I can machine it, you know, way cheaper. And you're like, man, you don't get it at all, do you? Like, there's so much yep. more. Yeah, you're you're not paying for this one. You're paying for the, like, hundreds that came before it and the R&D yeah. and the people and the, you know, the, the, the ones that got lost in shipping and, you know, all yeah. the costs <laughs> mm-hmm. that get associated with that. But it's such a problem in, I think, in the maker mentality because people are just looking at something and go, I could make that. And yeah. That's also why I think mm-hmm. a lot of people that are trying to get a start in business as a maker fail because there is a huge difference in making one of something and a thousand of something or 10,000, oh, yes. as we can yes. all attest, right? But yes. that is not a very obvious thing, I think, to the person that's in their garage still making their own stuff.
1: So we we talked to a lot of uh sort of nascent 3D printer manufacturers, guys that want to start a 3D printer company. Mm-hmm. And um, if you want to do that, I applaud you. Please do it. You know, it's awesome.
0: Wouldn't it's touch cool. it with a 10,000-foot pole, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but
1: if, if uh, you know, somebody in the chat yeah. or whatever, they want to do it, that's great. Yep. But um, usually the pitch that I hear during the first conversation is, I've looked at so-and-so's, you know, name established manufacturer, uh, bill of materials. I figured out how much it costs them to make this. It's, you know, 50% of what they're selling it for. Mm-hmm. I can, I can operate, I can do that for less. Your math doesn't
0: track, homie. Your <laughs> math doesn't track because
1: um, <laughs> 50% margin is like, you know, you're, you're Minimum. As a manufacturer, you're just scraping by. Right? Oh God. Yeah. 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 yeah, you're just scraping uh, by. Yeah, is mm-hmm. uh, overhead rent, electricity, server space, all of it costs money.
0: It have, yeah. it, it absolutely does, and it's it's, it's it, the other challenge is that that scaling product is boring to most makers too. It's like <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to move on to the next project. I want to, and so when you right, when yeah. you when they're constantly feeding that that hit they get from, you know, Oh, I, I, I built a Voron. I I got a kit printer and I did that. And like, that was awesome. Great. Now do that 10,000 more times and deal with customer service and all that stuff. Well, this sucks. I don't really, I don't want to do (laughs) this, but, but you, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, that's the, I think that's the danger And the beauty of our industry to some extent that it's like they see like I can make my own 3D printer from scratch. I can customize it. I can, you know, yeah, of course you can. And that's that's fun and fantastic. But that is just a completely different game. Like you're saying, I don't want to discourage people that that want to be innovative and come up with new product. There's absolutely opportunity out there. But as people in the chat are saying, like taking it to scale and, and, you know, doing a day in and day out and, and, you know, really driving home that point of differentiation. Like, is it a unique sales? Pro- yeah. Maybe that's cool, but are people going to be willing to pay that $500 premium, $1,000 premium, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, and if you don't have sales and marketing expertise and all of the other things that go into like, you know, even getting the message out there and letting people know that you even exist, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, that's, uh, <laughs> That's another digression for another day guys. <laughs> um one and I know we're 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 closing in on our hour and we got to respect uh, Dan's time here because he's uh he's got a new product launched today and there's other stuff going on and it's Friday. Oh boy. Copperhead he boots come, uh, stuff. came out
1: at noon. So uh, if you want a copperhead Boot, you want a boot for your copperhead. I just head, got the go email. New
0: product <laughs> drop. Nice yeah. looking email, well done. I'm sure he uh, has a great marketing team helping him with this stuff. Uh, so yeah. congrats on the new product Trevin, drop.
1: If you guys are, if, you, if anybody's at Rapid, out. Trevin will be there. You're shout out,
0: Awesome. Shout out Trevin. Yeah. Awesome. Um, You got time for one more, uh, one more thing, Dan? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, So one, one more thing that I wanted to talk about that is, it, it came from a pooch rant earlier in the week that I dropped on Twitter. <laughs> uh, It is a, uh, a term a, that is so unbelievably, speaking of marketing, Co-opted by marketers in the 3D printing world, in the probably in the manufacturing world, and in a lot of uh, different places, the term industrial. Okay, we <laughs> have an industrial 3D printer, industrial grade. You know, we see it with other things too, military grade, and not to be confused with mil spec, which is a, do- yeah, you know, a totally different a, thing. Th-
1: that is a real thing. Yeah. No,
0: it is a real <laughs> thing, and I'm not. I'm not trying. To, but but uh, the term industrial, I think that you know, marketers love it because it's like, okay, I want to, I want to draw this distinction. Like like this is, this is the thing that everybody wants to have that it's like, it's built super tough and it's going to last forever. And, um, y- you know, I think that that means completely different things than just, you know, the, the parts that are, that, that are, mm-hmm. a, let's just say a 3d printer right now are made of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really hate seeing it used out there. And then I look at it and I'm like, that's not industrial at all, at least not my understanding of it. So when I my first question to you is when you hear the term industrial as being an industry, as kind of having an understanding of manufacturing and the tool sets that are used, what does industrial mean to you? And what are your expectations of something that is supposedly industrial? Yeah,
1: that's a good question. So the thing that actually pops into my mind is uh, a phenomenal marketing campaign that Ford did years ago. And it was the built Ford tough and it like, yeah, dropped this big <laughs> steel plate onto a piece of concrete and it, like cracked it. I need to, I need to drop that was steel. brilliant. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, Oh, and they stamped it. It was like stamped, dropped crack, you yeah. know, it was, it was really well done. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I think of when I think of industrial, I literally have that mental picture. Um, when we use the term industrial, we're typically talking about a market, actually, a market segment. So some of our customers are in uh, industry in the sense that they're in the medical industry or their aerospace or their um, you know, government. Uh, so that, that's typically where we use it. Um, we do have a product that we use the term industrial in. And yeah. that product is specifically designed for that customer base doesn't mean that other people can't use it. It's a it's a great product. It's a heater. It's not um, a silicone uh, boot. It's a heater. It is not a silicone boot. yeah uh, that is not I would not call that an industrial product. It's not an industrial um, boot. <laughs> yeah. But uh <laughs> it's not steel-toed. If it was steel-toed, you should you make a steel-toed boot. boot. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> I like it. Um so actually uh, it's kind of speaking of that, we have a uh it, well, Right now we call it an insulator, but it goes around our Magnum Plus hot end, which that that I would consider to be an industrial tool. Okay. So that is a a hot end that is built for <laughs> many many. I mean, we're talking about thousands of hours of use on uh, the first app, one of the first applications of it was actually on a robot arm at a university in Germany. Okay. So that's in industrial use. The whole setup was once they commercialize will be. Sold to automotive companies, um, which is an industrial use. So okay, I, so like used used
0: in thinking. manufacturing, then would be a yeah, uh, criteria. In manu- that's okay. That's great. Okay. Awesome. Okay. You're mm-hmm. in marketing. <laughs> I dabble. I dabble. You dabble. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So used in industry, obviously you brought up uh, reliability, maybe like mean time between failures. That's a metric that a lot of times, so high mean time between failure. Okay. So, Mm -hmm. so obviously we think reliability. Andrew, what are you thinking of when you hear industrial?
2: Yeah. So my thought is immediately mean time between failures, MTBF, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that would be an incredibly high, you know, MTBF. Uh, You know, my previous startup, you know, we developed server platforms for specific use cases in big industry data center appliances. Uh, And, you know, there are, you know, like each industry has, you know, requirements or specifications that, you know, are, are, I guess, standards you want to hold yourself to. Um, so yeah, when, when I hear the term industry, it's, it's really working towards a standard or a classification of some sort, maybe it's used in manufacturing, maybe it's used in big enterprise solutions, data centers, that sort of stuff. But, you know, I think the term hardened kind of goes along with industry, right. Or industrial, uh, it's, it, it, it's not just, again, a consumer product that you're going to go to Walmart and you're going to buy, right. Right. (laughs) Right. You know, right.
0: Um, I think there's a couple. So I think reliability is is one of the reasons that marketers tend to co-opt it the most. So they want to imply mm-hmm. that there's a there's a level of reliability. Um, a lot of times you look at some of these things that are quoted as industrial grade, and they're using the same componentry that we. See. Maybe they use some mm-hmm. ball screws instead of you know standard, you know uh, what is it, acme rod or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, so maybe some higher grade componentry, but. Um, in my opinion, if I'm in manufacturing, if I have robot manufacturing stuff like that, it goes far beyond just like the actual thing. It's about what are the support structures in place that when this thing breaks, like, like, is it installed? Like, did it cost me this much? Do I need to have somebody come out here and fix it for me? Yeah. Maybe I'm going to pay mm-hmm. for it, but like those solutions, I think, uh, you know, to think back to the industry, you're talking about the, the server, the, the data world, like, you know, Mm -hmm. we see these, um, SLA agreements and stuff like that, that, that are in place to Mm -hmm. support the thing when it, when it goes, because it all comes down to return on investment when you're a company and all that stuff. Like, yes, I want it to be reliable. I want it to not break on me, but I also need to know that I can be up and running again as quickly as possible. Once should something, should something happen because nothing is, completely bulletproof, right? It's like having yep. some structure in place. And then I think there's a the degree of compliance and some stuff that like uh, safety considerations, like we, you know, we think about emergency stops and light towers on industrial grade equipment that you don't really care about mm-hmm. when you're running in your house, but uh, maybe absolutely necessary for, you know, having operator safety and stuff like that. And so obviously there there's a, there's a, a big distinction and stuff, but I don't know. Do, am I am I just overreacting, or do you feel like that term seems to be really overused uh, or not accurately used? There's
2: so many terms that are overly used. Yeah, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I, I would say uh, we've certainly, in my I, in my opinion, it is overused, specifically in the three D printing space, because we have a lot of uh, you've got sort of the the two original big companies right 3d systems and and stratasys which yep. were building and still build industrial systems right uh yeah. their customers are the boeings and and uh you know bmws of the world and then you've got this other side of sort of the hobbyist um driven side of the of the business right and now we've got this professional business where side of the business where People are moving from the hobby or space into the pro side, or they're just launching newly into three D printing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so there's a desire there for more reliability, right? But without the price point of, say, quarter million dollar machine. Yep. So sure. It uh. So like a pro like, a pro, like a prosumer,
0: prosumer space. It's
1: the prosumer market.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, and the, and the need to draw some kind of distinction, right? To justify mm-hmm. that, you know, if we want to do, it's it's kind of a sad state of affairs, but like, look at, there, there aren't really that many, you know, American 3D printing manufacturers that are in a prosumer level, or certainly not in a hobbyist level anymore. Yes, there's Stratasys and all that stuff. And I think a lot of people look at those machines and they go, well, you know, they still have FDM machines that are effectively doing a lot of the same stuff. Now, obviously there's a lot more to it than just like, I've yep. got my hot end. I've got my, you know, uh, s- steppers or my, my m- motion system and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that we all think that, Oh, I want, I want that qu- all the tech that's in that quarter million dollar machine, but I want to be able to have it in my garage or something like that. When, you know, you probably don't need a lot of that stuff and it's overkill. And, uh, you know, yes, mm-hmm. some of that, but a lot of that cost, like we were saying too, isn't necessarily just in the that hardware. It goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's in the support structures and the, you know, the, the, the IP you're paying for and all that stuff. Yep. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting, but, uh, that's <laughs> again, could one, another topic we could go on for oh, yes. quite some time on. Quite some time yeah. on Dan, we're going to let you go buddy, because uh, I know you, you got your, your Friday to get back to you. Uh, I want to thank you for your time with us today. Uh, fielding uh, the, the questions I want to thank everybody that's been in the uh, live chat. Uh, if you're listening yeah, back on the podcast, it has been a f- fun conversation, fantastic conversation. Feel free to tweet at us. I put everybody's uh, tag uh, in here. If you want to kind of keep the conversation going, have some ideas about future conversation uh, obviously if you have any questions or um comments for for slice uh you can find them i've got their website on there if you want to support their products and stuff good made in the usa company uh please do so uh i've used their stuff it is fantastic um we love we love slice we love all of our awesome community people and dan i hear uh that people uh if they're going to any of the upcoming trade shows like where can they where can they see you give you a high five in person?
1: Yeah, so we're gonna be at Rapid uh, and at Murph. Uh, in Fantastic. at least the next two shows. Uh, so we'll be sponsoring and exhibiting at both of those. I will be there personally. Uh, and if you would them. like a free pass to rapid, hit us up.
0: Nice. Look at that. See, don't Sweet. don't don't act like you guys don't get some value from you know being with us here. You know, free passes <laughs> to rapid, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, listen, man, uh, thank you so much, Uh, Andrew. Thank you, as always, for being just (laughs) such a great cornerstone of the conversation. And uh, this has been this has been a lot of fun. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Uh, That's a a wrap on another Maker That Money. Uh, We will catch you guys next Friday. Everybody have a fantastic weekend. Talk to you soon. Ta-ta.